Welcome to Early Detection of Pancreatic Cancer, the Importance of Primary Care. My name is Jeffrey Gordeski, and I've been a practicing family physician for 30 years. Like most of you listening, I've helped to take care of many patients over the years who have had pancreatic cancer. Also, like most of you, the majority of these patients do not survive for long after they are diagnosed, generally because they are not diagnosed until late in the course. There are, of course, many reasons for this, but primary among them is the lack of any kind of early diagnostic tool or marker for screening and early detection, as we have for many other types of cancers. I also have a personal interest in this topic, as my mother passed away over 10 years ago from pancreatic cancer. Like many of our patients, because of her vague symptoms, she ended up being diagnosed with a small but non-operable tumor. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. James Farrell. He is the director of the Yale Center for Pancreatic Diseases, a professor at the Yale School of Medicine, and an interventional gastroenterologist. His training and career has centered around institutions specializing in a multidisciplinary approach to pancreatic disease, including Johns Hopkins, Massachusetts General Hospital, UCLA, and Yale. A special area of research interest of his is the early detection of pancreatic cancer. Our hope is that this discussion will advance the awareness of what is available today for the early detection of pancreatic cancer. James, thank you for speaking with me today. Our series focuses on identifying patients at risk and this episode will focus today on genetics and family history. So to begin, what are the genetic risk factors associated with pancreatic cancer? So when we think about pancreatic cancer in uh, 2020, as you know, Jeff, the, the cases are rising and a lot of that's due to advancing age. And most of the risk factors, as you know, for pancreatic cancer are kind of sporadic environmental issues. But what's become appreciated over the last 20 years is very much like breast cancer and colon cancer, is that there is a familial component, and this is often forgotten about uh, unless we kind of specifically chase and ask histories. So of all the pancreatic cancers that present, probably around 10 to 15% of them, when we start probing, uh, will have some form of genetic risk factor or, or family history. Um, the family history is probably the most uh, you know, dominant one to, to observe. And it really is based on there being at least two first uh, or second degree relatives with pancreatic cancer. And when you look at that then and start looking at those families, um, and the most famous of all those families is our, our President Carter's family, um, you start seeing genetic abnormalities that can be found in the blood, so, so easily inherited uh, genes. The most common gene abnormality that's detected is BRCA2. So most people are familiar with BRCA1 and BRCA2 from kind of hereditary breast uh, and ovarian cancer. Um, but it also is a, a risk factor for pancreatic cancer. Other genes then that are kind of similar are ones that are also involved in the repair of DNA, uh, such as PALB2 and ATM. And then other genes such as P16 and Poots-Jaegers. Um, but interestingly, you know, despite this tremendous knowledge that we have about pancreatic cancer, uh, the vast majority of patients, or at least the majority of patients who have a strong family history don't actually have an identifiable genetic abnormality. So that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. So along those lines, how does the family history play a role in pancreatic cancer? 
so we we have a definition um, about what it means to be part of a familial uh, pancreatic cancer kindred, and it's you know it's it requires as I say at least two first degree relatives. I think we do get concerned when we see or hear about a young family relative. Uh, we certainly get concerned, and we have cases from time to time. I'm sure you've come across them where, you know, we have uh, uh, both parents affected. And even though we think about family traditionally in some sense of an inherited gene, so there's something in your blood, there's something in your DNA, you know, when you stop and think about it, there's so much else that goes on. Sometimes uh, families share a common love of cigarette smoking. They share just the exposure to cigarette smoke. They, they share exposure to other environmental toxins. Um, or sometimes, you know, there's a lot of interest now in microbiome. So when we talk about familial inherited risk or familial risk factors, um, I think we're only beginning to kind of scratch at the surface. And yeah, we have a good sense of genes to be tested for and, and the number of genes grows and grows. Um, but I think we're also beginning to explore other things that might be in the environment. And as I say, that kind of goes to chronic exposure in the home to toxins such as cigarette smoke. Uh, but I think an interesting area is microbiome, is areas of the bacteria, uh, within our body that somehow might be influenced or, or increasing our susceptibility to the development of a, a pancreatic cancer. So what's available to patients with a family history of or a known genetic mutation associated with pancreatic cancer? So this kind of comes back to, you know, one of these issues that we have is we don't do general population screening uh, for pancreatic cancer. We hope to be there one day and maybe with the availability of blood tests, you know, we'll get to that, get to that point. Uh, currently, we're focused on looking at so-called high-risk groups. Uh, and we're going to get to some of the other high-risk groups later on, uh, such as pancreatic cysts and, and diabetes. Uh, but one such high-risk groups of patients who are at increased risk for developing pancreatic cancer are then those individuals who have uh, a family history and or a genetic mutation. So we have a variety of criteria that basically state that if you're above a certain threshold for risk, so for example, if you have the BRCA2 gene and a family history, if you have just the P16 gene abnormality, that we would consider you to be at increased risk for developing pancreatic cancer. And current guidelines, for example, from the CAPS consortium, and this is the Pancreatic Cancer Screening International Consortium with their most recent guidelines, would recommend uh, screening of some form or other surveillance of some form uh, with imaging, including an MRI and an endoscopic ultrasound annually, a lot depending, therefore, on what is found uh, going forward. So sometimes we'll end up alternating endoscopic ultrasound uh, and MRI imaging. I think it's important to state that this is still kind of an evolving field. And even though the clinical guidelines would, would, would favor this and, and encourage this, you know, my own recommendation is that most people consider being part of a clinical trial for a variety of reasons, so that at least the guidelines are followed uh, closely, but also as a way to collect data properly and basically ad advance the field. So we have inclusion criteria for screening for familial individuals um, that in involve individuals who have genetic abnormalities or strong family histories. And as I say, then it's a, it's, it's a combination of either an MRI scan and or an endoscopic ultrasound image, the hope being that we'll get to a point where we have a blood test uh, for pancreatic cancer that might even further refine down this group.
And to wrap that up, so I, giving current headlines with uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just dying of pancreatic cancer, how, and we generally get a lot of questions in our offices. How can we better serve our patients who come in with these kind of questions? You know, I think for this particular area, and there's so many uh, aspects to pancreatic cancer that uh, weigh on people's minds. And, you know, the first thing to say is that pancreatic cancer, although it is, it is rising, uh, is still an uncommon cancer compared to other cancers, such as breast cancer and colon cancer. Although with the kind of current projections, it is expected that it would be the uh, second leading cause for cancer-related death by 2030 or so. But I think it's important to, you know, have people keep things in perspective about their, uh, about their risks. If they do feel, or if you feel in talking to them that maybe they're at increased risk through either a family history or having a genetic abnormality such as BRCA2, BRCA1, P16, Puzziegers, and so on, I think then getting them to see um, a specialist at one of the expert centers around the country is probably the next best uh, step. And most large medical centers around the country have access to uh, pancreatic cancer expertise, be at the level of gastroenterology, surgery, uh, or even uh, cancer genetics. And I think that would be the first start so that people can assess what exactly is the true risk here. And if there is therefore then deemed to be a true and valid risk, I think going forward with some involvement with surveillance imaging, preferably as part of a clinical trial. So in conclusion of this section, we know the primary risk factors for pancreatic cancer, if there are any, are family history and certain genetic markers. Uh, the important thing is to be aware of these and to recognize when to refer people for genetic counseling and, of course, ask about family history. Thank you for listening. Please join us for Episode 2 when we discuss pancreatic cysts and nuanced diabetes after the age of 50 and how those impact the person's risk for developing pancreatic cancer.